love my church. We love our church. I love my church. I love my church. We love our church. Good morning. We're glad that you're here. I'm Pastor Allen. Welcome. We're in a series called I Love My Church, if you can, didn't pick that up already. Uh, started last week. We're finishing up today. <clears throat> we talked about last week the best phrase to describe the essence of Christianity is it's not about me. So whenever you start thinking about me, I don't like the temperature in here, or I don't like the decorations in here, or I don't like the parking lot, or I don't like the coffee. It's all about you, right? But it's not about you. And so that's what we want to talk about this morning. And we also said, save people, serve people. So if you're a Jesus follower, Jesus has saved you, then you serve. It's, there's no separation between those two things. Um, if you're not a Jesus follower, we're just delighted that you're here checking us out. And uh, we believe the principles work even if you're not a Jesus follower. And so we'll share that with you also. But say people serve, help people help. And so we are encouraging you to, if you're not serving or if you are serving, to step it up uh, through this series. Today's topic is, I love my church, the hope of the world. Now, not all of you may love, your, love this church. You may not love church. In fact, you may have had a bad experience growing up. And you don't think too much about church. So I thought we'd start off with some things that I'm pretty sure that many of you like. All right? So the first one is this. Many of you are dog people. All right? I have a couple of kids that have dogs. In fact, I was with two of the dogs yesterday, unfortunately. I'm not a dog person. But anyway, some of you love dogs. My problem with puppies are they grow up to be dogs. My problem with kittens are they grow up to be Cats, right. But some of you are, are animal people, and you love animals, and they provide something for you, and so you love animals. Uh, here's something else some of you love. Uh, the beach, all right? Water and warm water and sand. Uh, I've just, I've just kind of helped you make your next vacation plans, right? Right there. Uh, it would be a nice place to visit. Some of you love the beach. I'm going to help you with your lunch plans also. Some of you just love pizza, right? Most people love pizza. Um, so now that you weren't, if you weren't hungry before, now you're hungry, right? Sorry about that. We'll be finished in a half hour or so, and you can go eat. Uh, something else that many of you love, and I won't apologize for being a Ravens fan, but you have your football fan uh, team, I have mine, all right? So many of you love football, and you can't wait till August comes, right? Because there's no football again till August. And hopefully, many of you love Smithsburg Valley. You love this church. Now, I love this church. I've been here for 25 years. There's only two families been here longer than I have. That's uh, about half of my adult life, over half of my ministry life. <clears throat> and I, I was back when we had no building, and uh, some of you remember that. We were in a community center. We had no property. Now we have nine acres, and we have this building. And so God's done a lot over the 25 years, and that's why I love this church. <laughs> I love this church because of you. I love this church because of what God has done. I love this church because of the changed lives and, and the growth and maturity I see. I've married some of you and watched you, your kids grow up, and if I hang around long enough, maybe I can marry some of those. But anyway, your, your kids. Now, some of you 
went to church as a kid, and you didn't like church. In fact, uh, you went because your parents made you go, and your parents maybe didn't even like church. They might have argued on the way to church, and, uh, and then they put on a smile when they walked in, and they couldn't let people know they were arguing because if people knew you weren't getting along, they would kick you out of the church. And so um, it was kind of a, uh, what's the word I want? It's just kind of fake. It wasn't real. And so when you grew up, you stopped going to church, didn't you? And maybe you're just checking it out again for whatever reason now. Um, and again, we're glad that you're here. But church shouldn't be something you just tolerate or something you feel obligated to go to. It should be celebrated. This is my favorite time of the week when I get to hang out with you folks. I don't know if it's your favorite time of the week hanging out with me, but it's my favorite time of the week. Um, I look forward to it. I get excited about it. And we get to celebrate. And we, we have Easter coming up next week, but every Sunday is a celebration that our God's alive, that the tomb is empty. Now, to say you love your church sounds a little weird, maybe. It's kind of like maybe you're in a cult <laughs> because you say uh, you love your church. But let me think about it. Is, it. is it weird to love your dogs? Is it weird to love the beach? Is it weird to love pizza? I mean, it might get you to Jesus a little quicker if you eat a lot of pizza, but is it weird to love pizza or love football? I mean, football, I don't know any of those players. I don't know any of those Raven players. Do you know any of your favorite team's players? I, I never met any of them. So is it weird to, to love somebody you never met? So hopefully it's not weird to love your church. Now, this is, we're not playing here. <laughs> All right, this is not, you know, just a, a game that is played and is, it might be exciting and then it's over. We're talking about changed lives. We're talking about making a difference in people's lives. So this is something more, more serious than pizza or football. <clears throat> now, so as a Jesus follower, if you are, as a Jesus follower, we should love what Jesus loves, Right? I don't know if Jesus cares about football or pizza, but I know Jesus cares about you, and he cares about your family, and he cares about your neighbor, and he cares about your relatives. He cares about everyone. And Jesus doesn't love just you. He loves the church. In fact, the Bible describes it this way. Jesus is the bride and the church, I mean the bridegroom, and the church is the bride. That's how we're described. So Jesus loves, obviously, his bride, the church. So we're going to look at a story from the life of Jesus that gives us a really big reason why we should love the church. Now, in this story, it's always important to, remember, uh, to pay attention to where Jesus goes, all right? And in this story, he goes to Caesarea Philippi. And I'll explain that in a second. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked the disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? Who do people say I am? That's an important question, right? Now, Caesarea Philippi was about a seven-day journey from where Jesus was. Uphill, Caesarea Philippi is kind of like on the northern border. It'd be like on the Canadian border for us. And Jesus had to travel by foot, so it was a seven-day journey. So it wasn't some place that he passed by. He went from where he was to this place. Now, Caesarea Philippi was the, was Sin City. 
back then. It was like Las Vegas or Mardi Gras in, Las, in uh, New Orleans, okay? This is where people went to do bad stuff. This is where people, the worst people went to do bad stuff. Um, if you were a religious person, if you're a religious Jew like Jesus, you didn't go there, right? But Jesus went there, And this is where all the worst people were, the messy people we talked about being. And so Jesus wasn't afraid of being, hanging out with messy people. In fact, that's why Jesus came. So Jesus went to Caesarea Philippi because that's where the messiest people were. Now, this city had a nickname. And the nickname was the Gates of Hell. Now, wouldn't you love for Smithsburg to have its nickname, the Gates of Hell? Wouldn't that be a, a, a great slogan to attract people to move to Smithsburg? <laughs> Come to the Gates of Hell. That was the nickname for Caesarea Philippi. So Jesus went where the messy people were. And we should love who Jesus loved. We should go where Jesus goes. So we need to go where the messy people are. And the reason is this. It's okay to not be okay. It's okay to be messy, but it's not okay to stay that way. Jesus wants to change you and I, clean up our mess. Now, I know we have messy people here because I get confessions. Now, we don't have official confessions like in the Catholic Church, but I get confessions. I have mostly guys tell me, you know, I'm looking at stuff on the Internet I shouldn't be looking at. Or I hear stories about, you know, I've, I've spent money I don't have. I borrowed money I can't pay back. Or stories about my wife and I are not getting along. We're uh, separating or thinking about separating. So I know we have messy people. But the interesting thing here is Jesus went where the messy people were and he started a conversation about himself. Now, when we go where messy people are, if you go to some party you shouldn't go to or you're doing something you shouldn't do, are you going to talk about Jesus? Most likely not. But that's the perfect place to talk about Jesus. And Jesus has given us an example. In the midst of the messy people, I want you to start a conversation about me. So whether it's at work, maybe in a workplace, there's no other believers, Jesus followers, that's the ideal place to start a conversation about Jesus. You don't have to be weird, you know, uh, Bible-thumping weird Jesus person, but just start a conversation about Jesus. One reason I know there's messy people here because I'm a messy person. I don't have it all together. <clears throat> Hopefully I'm more like Jesus than I used to be. But Jesus loved me just as, as I was. He cleaned me up and he continues to do his work in my life. And if you can't remember you being a messy person, then you don't understand grace. You didn't understand that Jesus cleaned you up. And the only difference between you and somebody else that may not be a Jesus follower is, is by God's grace. And we're going to talk about this in a second. You understood and accepted the gift. They haven't understood and or accepted the gift. So Jesus asked this question, and he gets an answer. Disciples answered. They said, well, some say John the Baptist. He just had his head cut off kind of weird, but anyway. Some say Elijah, Jeremiah, some other prophets. So these guys lived hundreds of years ago in the Old Testament. And uh, so I don't know why they believe that these, these were like reincarnations of these, these folks, but that was what people were saying. And then Jesus asked, but who do you 
say I am? It's probably the most important question in the entire world for you and for me. The answer to that question. In fact, I call this the final exam of life. So, I don't know if some of you are in school, but when you get exams, it's nice to know the questions ahead of time, right? Don't usually do that, do they? The teachers. But more exciting, we don't only have the final exam question, we have the final exam answer. So, all of us get to ace it. Wouldn't you like to ace your finals? So, Peter answers the question. He says, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Now, that Messiah is a word we don't use a lot, especially out in our culture. So Messiah meant you are the chosen one. You are the anointed one. You are the savior. You're the one that's going to come and change everything. In fact, if you were Jewish, you had been waiting for over a thousand years for the Messiah, the deliverer. I like to say it this way. Jesus is the hope of the world. Jesus is the hope of the world. Not politics, government, not education, not money, or science, or things that money can buy. But Jesus is the hope of the world. So that was... Peter's answer, and what did Jesus think of that answer? He replied by saying, You are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my Father in heaven has revealed this to you. It has helped you understand this and comprehend this. My Father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being. Now, folks, it's really important for you to understand this, that, again, we said this last week, We don't make the supernatural normal. And our God is so great that he speaks to us. He reveals things to us. He communicates things to us. Now, he does this to me all the time, and I'm sure he does it to you if you're a Jesus follower, sometimes in thoughts, sometimes through other people. This is something that I didn't come up with. And for me, it happens every week. I get up here and say stuff that I don't come up with that are revealed to me. And if you're a Jesus follower, somewhere along the line, it was revealed to you, your need of a Savior, and that Jesus was it, and you accepted that gift. That's supernatural. That's something to celebrate, that the the God of the universe is connected with you and communicates with you and I. And then he goes on. This is probably the most familiar part of this story. He He tells Peter... I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. Now, I have to apologize for, I think, misinterpreting this passage of Scripture in the past. It seems to say that Jesus is going to build his church on Peter, because the word Peter means rock. And he says, on this rock. But if you really think about it, it can't be Peter, right? Is Jesus going to build his church on Peter? Now, I preached the first sermon. He was a leader in the early church. Uh, but it, Jesus isn't going to build his, his, his church on Peter or any other human being, is he? So what is he building his, 
what is this rock? It is this, this confession of Peter that you, Jesus, are the Messiah. You are the hope of the world. That's who Jesus is building his church on. He's building it on himself, right? And he says, I will build my church. Now, it's kind of, it's popular for our, in our culture to be, say, I'm a Jesus follower, but I'm not a church person. Now, let's follow logic a little bit here. Would Jesus lead you, if you're following, would Jesus lead you away from the thing he died for and the thing he's calling his bride? Would he do that? It makes no sense at all, right? That Jesus would call you to be his follower and would not call you to his, his bride, the church. <clears throat> the church has been around for 2,000 years. If the world lasts that long to be around for another 2,000 years, nothing else has been around for 2,000 years. And uh, we talk about this a lot, maybe next week again. It's the most unlikely, quote-unquote, institution, really not institution, uh, that started with, with nothing that would exist for that amount of time. Now, I love the fact that he says, it is my church. It's Jesus' church. It's not your church or my church. It's his church. And so he's going to take care of it. In fact, the gates of hell, and it, at that point, he's standing at the place called the gates of hell, the place, you know, where the world says, this is, this is, this is fun. You know, getting involved in, in, in all that wild stuff. This is, this is fun. This is real meaning. This gives purpose to life. And Jesus says, the gates of hell, the stuff that doesn't fulfill, this is not the answer. It's not your hope. I'm the hope of the world. So Jesus started this movement with messy people. Weren't the disciples messy people? Yeah, they were messed up people. Started this movement with messy people, for messy people. Now, I think you would agree, even if you're not a Jesus follower, with this next statement. A promise is only as good as the person making the promise. And Jesus promised he would build his church. So I want you to play along with me this morning. Can you do that? All right. So how many of you have a car loan or lease? Raise your hand. Come on. Nobody's playing. Come on. Put your hand up. I'm not going to yell at you and say, Dave Ramsey says you shouldn't have a car loan. All right. Raise your hand if you have a car loan or lease. All right. How, how's a house payment? Raise your ho- hand. I have two house payments. How would you like to have two house payments? I have two. I can raise both hands. How many of you have some, you owe some other money to somebody somewhere other than cars or houses? Okay. And that, I think that's most people. I don't know if everybody raised their hand, but that's most people. Now, if somebody calls you up this afternoon and says, I want to pay off your house, are you going to get excited about that? Depends. If it's some stranger, probably not. Um, what if it's, just kind of think of this for a second, your, your craziest, goofiest, broke relative. You got that person in mind? If you can't think of anybody, guess who it is? In your family. <laughs> yeah, it's you. You're sharp this morning, good. <laughs> All right. So if they call you up this afternoon and say, hey, I want to pay off your house, you're going to probably say to your spouse, if you have a spouse, uh, so-and-so has been hitting the bottle a little bit too much again, right? You're not going to get excited about that at all. Now, let me show you a picture of somebody. Tell me who this is. Who is that? Bill Gates. I guess he's still considered the most wealthiest man in the world. Let me tell you a little bit about Bill Gates. He's worth about $73 billion. 
That's, that's, not, that's beyond comprehension, right? $73 billion. In fact, if he was a country, he's only a person, if he was a country, he'd be the 37th wealthiest country in the world. And I think there's like 200 countries in the world, right? And he would rank 37th. If he, on this money, if he was making 6% interest, he would be making $114 a second. $114. $114. $114. Just mind-boggling, isn't it? Now, he's about 60 years old. If he lived to be 90, that's about 30 years. If he never made another cent, he'd have to spend $6 million a day to use up that money. Now, I know money doesn't make you happy, but uh, I'd have fun trying to spend $6 million a day, wouldn't you? Um, so that's how wealthy he is. So if this afternoon, Bill Gates called you and said, hey, I'd like to pay off your, your house loan, would you get excited then? Yeah, I get excited. Hey, yeah, 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 yeah. When can he send a check? <laughs> you know, uh, that'd be great. So Jesus made lots of promises. I'll never leave you or forsake you. Uh, I, I will love you unconditionally, etc." Is the question is, can Jesus keep his promises? I think Jesus is a little greater than Bill Gates, right? <clears throat> a lot greater. So Jesus can keep his promises. Now, he made this really outrageous promise to his disciples. He made it five times, or five times we know it. He said, hey, I'm gonna be, eventually I'm going to head down to Jerusalem. <clears throat> I'm going to get arrested. I'm going to be on trial. I'm going to get convicted. And I'm going to be tortured. And then I'm going to be executed. But you don't have to worry about it because three days later, I'm going to come back to life. Now, did the disciples believe him? What do you think? They ever seen anybody come back to life? Known about anybody come back to life? No, they didn't believe him. They didn't even understand what he was talking about. They didn't believe him. You know, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they weren't written yet. (laughs) So they didn't believe him. In fact, I was just at a viewing lately. I didn't go to that viewing and say, ah, no problem. Tomorrow, back to life. No need to be sad. Don't do that. You know, a couple weeks later, I don't say, um, I haven't seen so-and-so lately. Where are they? Where are they? Because when people die, they stay dead. <clears throat> so this is really important. I don't believe Jesus because of what he said. I believe Jesus because of what he, he did. He said, I'm going to die and come back to life. And he died and come back to life. I know Easter's next week, but we celebrate that every Sunday. So we're going we're gonna to touch bases with that story again this morning. First Easter morning, ladies go to the tomb, expect it somehow to be open so they can get in. It was. <laughs> and there was an angel there. And the angel said, don't be afraid. Now, when you encounter the supernatural, it's natural to be afraid. But they're messengers of God, and they don't want us to be afraid. They have good news for us. So I know you're looking for Jesus. He was crucified. He's not here. And he's not here because somebody stole his body. He's not here because he's risen. He came back to life just as he said, just as he promised, right? And can anybody stop Jesus from doing what he promised? Now, it's an interesting thing about people struggling with the resurrection of Jesus. Most people in our setting believe there's life after death and they're going to spend eternity somewhere. How can you believe in a life after death for all of us and have struggled with, with Jesus coming back to life physically? But we do, don't we? 
So Jesus is risen. What, what, what's, that, what's that mean for you and I? He said, go. Uh, the angel did. <clears throat> um, yeah. Go and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead and he is going ahead of you to Galilee. So we aren't supposed to just have what we call our holy huddle. We come here and celebrate and then go back home and come back here again and celebrate. We are supposed to go and tell. We're supposed to start that conversation about Jesus. He said, you will see him there. Remember what I've told you. Remember this. This is important. So the resurrection is the reason I believe the promise. All the promises. So when somebody says, I'm going to die and come back to life, and he pulls it off, he gets my attention. I think he should get your attention. So, messy people. Have you got some mess in your life? Jesus wants to help you clean it up. You have some dead things in your life? Jesus wants to resurrect it. He wants to heal our hurts. He wants to change us. See, with the gospel, it's always the best is yet to come. Can't say that about everything. I'm getting older. Getting older is not the best yet to come. I'll tell you. It's just, it's physically, it's not anyway. So that's why I love the church because Jesus is building the church. The Jesus who promised that he would die and come back to life. The Jesus who has promised to change me and clean me up. And he's promised to do the same thing for you. How great is our God that he, we sinned and separated ourselves from him. We rejected him and he said, I can't allow that. I love you too much. I'm going to send my son to die for you so we can be reconnected. So our church is great, not because we're great, but because God is great. And maybe you don't feel so great this morning. Maybe you feel separated from God. Maybe you feel messy. With the gospel, the best is yet to come. Now, we're here to talk to you about volunteering, to be in the hands and feet of Jesus. So we're going to share with a few of the folks doing around here uh, right now. Hi, I'm Angela Griffin, and I'm the events director here at Smithfield Valley. And I love doing events because church is more than just coming on Sundays. It's about living life together and having fun. By doing these events, it has allowed me to deepen my relationships with people in the church and in the community. Hi, I'm John, and I'm in charge of the ground maintenance here at the church. I oversee all the teams that do the mowing and the trimming. This is something that I like to do, is just being outside and doing lawn work. It, it gives me a sense of satisfaction to uh, make the grounds look presentable. And you know, a good-looking good lawn is just a reflection of a, of a good church. I am Kathy Queen, and I am a Sunday school teacher here at Smithsburg Valley. I absolutely love my job because I love working with the kids, and um, they have impacted my life that I can hardly even want to be away from this church. I enjoy seeing them, and they make my day every single day. I'm Scott, and uh, I volunteer at uh, Smithsburg Valley Church in the cafe as well as Tabitha's Table which is a local food pantry. What I enjoy most about volunteering here and, and in the community is that um, it's an opportunity to give back. 
and it's an opportunity to show people the love that Jesus Christ showed us when he uh, sacrificed himself and, and gave his life for us. Okay, thank you all that do volunteer and many more of you. So, once again, we're going to ask you to fill one of these out. Now, I, I'm going to take the blame last week. Hardly anybody gave me any of these last week. So, I'm going to try and do a better job explaining. We would like you to fill out some kind of personal information on the front so we can contact you. And then, it says at the top, doesn't say it on here, it says it on there, please make, mark areas of interest. This doesn't mean you're going to have to do this. All it means is this is something you might be interested in, getting more information about. Somebody can talk to you about it. If you get more information and it's not your thing, that's fine. But save people, serve people. We can't do what we do without your service. So please, 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 mark something. Now, there's other things. We have a lady put prayer on hers last week. That's her ministry is prayer. That's a fantastic ministry. Um, so if you've got something specific, it doesn't be, it have to be something we're already doing. Maybe it's something you're already doing in the community. Let us know what you're doing. This is not just about doing new stuff. We want to know what you're doing right now. <clears throat> So we can get a whole list of all the volunteers and all the things they're doing. And again, it's not about your capabilities. It's about your willingness. And again, save people, serve. The fantastic thing about Jesus building his church is he uses us to do it. He allows us to be involved. Nothing greater than being a part of what God's doing. So please, the praise team is going to come after I pray and lead us in a final song. And then we'll collect these. But I, I would encourage every one of you to fill one of these out. Okay? Uh, it's no fun sitting on the bench. We want you to get in the game. And this is the way you get in the game. So, I'm going to pray. They're going to sing. You mark your cards and then we'll collect them. Thanks. Father God, we thank you for Jesus. And then that's what this place is about. It's celebrating Jesus. It's celebrating the fact that he... He provides for us to be reconnected with you, the God of the universe. There's a great God that loved us that much. God, I thank you for the many, many fantastic volunteers we have around here. This makes us the great church it is. God, we want it to be greater. We want it to be greater representative for the community. We want it to be greater for the individuals here because greatness comes through service. And we pray for anyone that's not a Jesus follower. We're so glad that they're here. Jesus made some fantastic promises. And he made it to you and to me. It's just up to us to believe. But if somebody could pull off a resurrection, I think they can fulfill the promise to connect you with God, to take you from death to life. So we encourage you to step across that line this morning and accept his gift. God, we thank you that you reveal things to us. And if you have this understanding this morning, it's because the God of the universe is speaking directly to you. Father, we thank you that you're a living God. And we don't celebrate something that is dead, some relic. But you're living, alive, and at work. We thank you for what you're doing. We are excited about it. We're excited about what you're going to do in and through us. For your glory, in Jesus' name.
Amen.